0: Have your Bible. Turn with me to Colossians chapter three. Apostle Paul writes to this church and says, "If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God." When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now... Ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I'm, I'm sure like many of you, I'm a creature of habit, uh, I like routines and I like things to go according to plan and um, I don't like when my plans get rattled. Any of y'all like that? <laughs> and um, this morning I followed my usual plan which is to, uh, I get up pretty early on Sundays and spend a lot of time studying and reading and getting my thoughts together uh, from the week and I did the same thing this morning In about 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, the the Lord called an audible, I think. I hope it was the Lord, right? <laughs> if it wasn't, y'all are in for 45 minutes of misery. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't always... Um, you hear of ministers who will get up and say, the Lord changed my mind as the song was going on. Well, um, I'm sure the Lord does that. And, and but, But I like to have my thoughts together because if I don't, there's no telling uh, where I may go, right, or what rabbits I may chase. And I didn't necessarily have this all on my mind this morning as I was preparing, and, and I say that, um, I guess, for two reasons, to set the expectation. <laughs> you know, they say you always want to under-promise and over-deliver, <laughs> never over-promise and under-deliver, so y'all keep that in mind today. Um, But you know, if it's just a bad message, you can blame that on Josh Coker, right? Not the Lord. Um, But also, just to say, I need your prayers. As as I prayed earlier, that God would bless me. Any minister that stands before a group of of God's children to bring a message from the Word of God needs God's prayers, or needs the people to pray to God for them. And um, I love how the last song that Brother Joshua selected ends by saying set our affections above and the verse that my mind had gone to this morning uh, started this morning about nine o'clock I started thinking about verse 2 of Colossians chapter 3 that says set your affections on things above not on things on the earth and so maybe that's the Lord this morning confirming uh, what we need to look at today you know last week we looked at Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, a, an enthusiastic offering consecrated to God, right? That was, that was what he was, he was asking the Romans to do, a holy, acceptable sacrifice to God. And he said, that is your reasonable service. If you know what God has done for you, it's logical that we would Offer our lives, consecrate our lives to to God. And he said, don't be conformed to this world. The world, and we mentioned all this last week, many of you were here, but the world is constantly trying to conform you or transform you into its image, to mold you to be more like the things outside of God. And so Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And that, we talked about that literally means renovated, that the, that the old would come out and the new would take over, right? Be ye tr- he says, be ye transformed by the renewing. That's that word, reno- renovation, by the renewing of your mind. So he talked about that there was, a, there was a renewing, a renewal that needs to take place in your mind to be able to be a living sacrifice unto God. If you think that you can focus on the things of the earth 24-7, and not have time with God's word, or time with God's people, or time alone praying to God, talking to God, you're fooling yourself by thinking you can live a sacrificial, enthusiastic life for God. Right? Your affections, your mind, has to be renewed. The old has to be taken out and replaced with the new. And so Paul, writing to the Colossian church, he begins by saying, if, if ye then be risen with Christ... And he's not questioning if this church is risen with Christ. That really means since you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. You're to crave after, you're to seek, you're to have zeal, right? A pursuit of the king and his kingdom. Seek after those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. You know, Christ, when he had by himself purged us from our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Kingdom language. God is in heaven today. Our Jesus Christ is in heaven today at the right hand of God the Father in a place of power and authority and victory, right? Victory. That's why when, you, when, when you're a victorious, conquering king, uh, you, you sit down victorious right you've won the battle and and god the father welcomed him back into heaven to sit down on his right hand because he was a conquering king for you and i that's who jesus is and so he says if you've been risen with christ you need to seek after to strive after to crave those things which are above where christ sits on the right hand of god set your affections on things above not on things on the earth. <laughs> you know what he's saying there? Think about heavenly things. Spiritual things. Kingdom things. This is talking about kingdom living because we, what is above in the heavens? Our king, right? That's where our king is sitting. Now, it'd be crazy for me to say that I don't think about um, what goes on in Washington, D.C. Some of y'all think about that? That affects us, right? Right? Um, I guess we're affected by the stock market. We think about these things, what happens on Wall Street. Those, we, have, we live in a world where we think about those things, right? But our affections, our mind, our desires, our ultimate goals can't be set on those things. Those are earthly things, aren't they? And they impact us here for a while, and, and, and there is a healthy concern that we can have about those things and we can do what we need to do, uh, to, to to best um, use those things or do what we can to make things better on this earth, that's good. But if that's all you think about, you're not going to be fit for the master's use. You're not going to be a living sacrifice. It, you will not do things that are holy and acceptable to God because your mind's on the things of the world. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've all gotten off track and And started thinking about things and our thoughts were consumed with things that didn't have to do with with Christ and his kingdom. So Paul is is refocusing this church by saying, set your affections on things which are above and not on things of the earth. That's a full-time job. You're constantly having to battle your affections, aren't you? What you're striving after. He says in in verse 3, for ye are dead. He's saying the things of this world... The, the sin of this world, the things that, uh, that, 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 that bring you down, you are dead to those things. You are dead and your life, listen to this, this, the, the way he's using these words, you are dead, that part of your life is dead. And your real life is hid with Christ in God. Your real life is, is, is all in Christ. It's with Christ, in God, who put you in Christ before the world ever began. And then he says in verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. <laughs> One of the greatest ways that you can set your affections on things above and not on things of this, this earth is to think about your king who's coming back. You know, we live a lot of times... We go through our daily life, our routine. I said, I like routines, I like plans. And a lot of times, we don't have any time in our routine to think about the king who's coming back. <laughs> we live our life in such a way that we're not anticipating it. We're not thinking, maybe when a loved one dies. Isn't that very comforting when somebody close to you dies to think about Christ coming back for them? Um, when things are really bad. When it looks, you know, there's wars or there's famines or there's whatever, upheaval in society. You start thinking a little bit more about one day Christ is coming back, right? But why is it so hard for us on a daily basis to think Christ is coming back? <laughs> today could be the day. Do y'all know today could be the day that Christ comes back. <laughs> um you know, I'm afraid going back to prosperity, we talked about a few weeks ago, we have it so good here that we don't think about our king coming to get us to take us somewhere better. That's sad, isn't it? But we should thank God, I guess, for the conditions that we have, but we should be mindful of, of the dangers of those conditions. He says, when Christ, who is our life... <laughs> um, You know, he's, he says he, is, he should consume our life, right? Our thoughts. Um, he is our life. And he says, when he shall appear. I love that. I've got a, I've got a box around this word that I, I made in my Bible. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? When Christ shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. <laughs> And all the worries, all the, all the things that we've set our affections on on this earth will no longer matter at all, right? Because he'll appear and then will appear glorified with him in glory. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? He says, think about those things. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, not a thousand years later, not a minute, then, shall ye also appear with him in glory. Then he says in verse 5, Mortify therefore, because ye are Christ's. He says you need to, literally that, that word means to kill, to deprive of its powers. There's some things because you, now listen, what he's going to go on to say for most of the rest of this till verse 17, if we can get there, um, that's a lot of ground to cover this morning, but these are things that you and I have to do. We talked about that being a living sacrifice is doing something, right? Being zealous is not just an emotion, it's an action, things that we do. And here are children of God that he's saying, here's what you need to do. Because Christ is your life, because you are hidden in Jesus Christ, God puts you there, because Christ is coming back for you, because of all those things, you need to put to death your members, which are upon the earth, the earthly part of your nature. I, can, I know I quote him all the time. I love him to death. He's, he's one, of, one of the mentors of my life. Brother Sam, I can remember him saying, I wish I could leave my old nature at home just one day. <laughs> y'all remember that? I could take it off. Do y'all feel like that sometimes? I wish I could just take it off. Well, you can't, but you can, you can act in such a way that you deprive it of its powers, right? By what you, First of all, what you think about. And remember, we want to be holy and acceptable sacrifices to God. God wanted the lamb without blemish, right? The bull without blemish. (laughs) So as we want to be sacrifices to God, we want to be holy and acceptable. We don't want to have all these things marring our lives, right? We want to be holy and acceptable sacrifices to God. So he says, put to death, deprive of its power, your members which are on the earth, fornication, Uncleanness, inordinate affection, you know, lust for things, evil concupiscence, that's evil desires. Covetousness, we won't spend a lot of time on all these, but we all face these things, don't we? We all battle with these things. Covetousness, greed, wanting more and more and more. (laughs) Um, I face it, you face it, our kids face it. We want more. And listen to what he says about covetous greed. He says, which is idolatry? (laughs) He says, if you find yourself in a position where you want more, a bigger house and a bigger car, once again, nothing wrong with being successful. Nothing wrong with having desires or goals in life. You should have those things, right? You should work hard. You, You should do the best you can to your ability, and usually, in the society in which we live, honestly, in America today, if you work hard, you will be successful. Do y'all believe that? If you work hard at what you wanna do, you, you have a job, you work eight to five, if you show up eight to five and, and just do what your boss tells you to do, <laughs> you'll stand out. I've, I've joked before, I'm a millennial. And you know, people make fun of millennials, right? They're lazy. (laughs) They um, don't wanna work. They don't have a plan. I've told people that's one of the biggest blessings of my life is being a millennial. (laughs) Because I don't really have it together, but I do have the ability to show up. (laughs) And just work a little bit. And if you do that, you'll show out. Guys, I'm telling you, young people. (laughs) If you'll just show up. (laughs) Now, listen, you might want to go above and beyond, but if you'll stand out. <laughs> but in America, you know, greed is a sneaky sin. And wanting more and more and more can get into your life and take over. And, and Paul says that is idolatry. You begin to worship your things more than God. And he's warning them about this. He says, for which thing's sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Now, ultimately, in one sense, God's going to come back and deliver his wrath upon those that do not know the Lord, right? That's going to happen. But you also, I want you to know that God can deliver wrath to you if you are in disobedience, can't he? Think about Jonah. Jonah was in Jonah was a child of God, a prophet of God, sent to preach from God, right? A message to Nineveh. But he was disobedient, and God had a way to get his attention, didn't he? He says he cried out from the the belly of hell. He was in a living hell because of his disobedience. So we may, yes, ultimately because of these inordinate affections and these lusts and these things that the wrath of God is coming upon people who are not in Christ, who are not chosen of God. But listen, God can, God can display his judgment on, on his children who are disobedient too, right? And I don't want that. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want that. <laughs> he says this, in, in the which he also walked some time when you lived them. You know, Paul told the Ephesians that we all had our conversations in times past, desiring the, the, the fulfilling the desires of the lusts and were disobedient. Here he's saying almost the same thing, in which he also walked sometime when you lived in them. When you did the same things, you had the same habits, you had the same addictions. Can anybody testify that they've been in that position before and the Lord rescued them from that? <laughs> That's our kind of God, isn't he? He takes people who have these evil desires and people who, who are given to fornication and uncleanness and covetousness and greed and all sorts of of disobedient things, and he rescues them from that. That's our God. Then he gets to talking about the renovation. Remember, to be a a living sacrifice, we have to renew our minds. We have to take out the old and bring in the new. That's something that we have to do. He says, but now ye also put off all these things. He's going to list more things. Anger, wrath, rage, malice. You know, that malice is ill will towards each other or to other people. Blasphemy against God, against your fellow man. You can slander your fellow man. That hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> How many times have we said something about someone else to make ourselves feel better? That's, that's slander. Filthy communication out of your mouth. See, the Lord is concerned about what you say. Not only what you do, but what you say, right? he says you need to put off all these things you need to take them away rip them out remember we talked last week about my kitchen right if somebody just ripped out all the cabinets and all the stuff and they just left it there that'd be part of a renovation right a renovation is getting rid of the old and putting in the new well here he's talking about that part where you come in with the sledgehammers and the and the saws and you rip out the room you rip out the old stuff to bring in the new, right? He's saying, put all these things away, rip them out of your life. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications. Lie not one to another. Seeing that you have put off, that is to to put away, cast off that old man with his deeds. When, When Paul talks about being not conformed to the world, but being transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of your mind, the renovation of your mind. That's what he's talking about. You've got to cast all those things away. And it's not good enough just to cast all those things away and leave it at that. I don't remember exactly what it was in, in, in one of the Gospels. The man who was, the, the demons were cast out of him, but he didn't fill his life with anything else. So worse things came, come back to him, right? You've got, not only do you have to To get rid of those bad habits, you gotta replace them with good habits or you'll find worse habits. Is that you ever seen that as true? So he says, You need to you need to take all these things away. Don't lie one to another. Because you're putting off the old man with his deeds, the old way that you used to live, the old desires that you used to have. And he says, and have put on. (laughs) That you have that, that word means it's like clothes, right? That you have you have a garment that you, are, that you are in, that you've closed yourself. One of the definitions is to sink into. This is something that you need to... You all ever have... You, you got a pair of pants or a suit or something that you can just sink into? <laughs> it's comfortable? He's saying, get comfortable with this because this is the way you need to live if you're going to be a living sacrifice. Does that make sense this morning? <laughs> you, need to, you need to sink into these things. Clothe your, yourselves, put on... The new man, that's the new part of you, which is renewed. There's that word, the renewing of your mind, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Not only do you have an old man that desires the things of this world, that that seeks after anger and malice and, and, and blasphemy and the things of this world. Yeah, we're all dealing with that, but praise be to God when he resurrects your heart. When you're born again, this vital salvation that comes directly from the Lord Himself through the Holy Spirit, you are given a new nature. And for the rest of your life, you are battling those two natures, right? It's a constant battle between those two natures. You've got the old man and the new man. That's what he's talking about. He says "You you need to put off the old man and put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. See, you've got this old man, that we talked about this last week, where Adam was created in the image of God, but after Adam sinned, we read, and I think last week I said Genesis 4, I believe it's Genesis 5, I may be wrong today, (laughs) but where, where Seth was born in the image of Adam, right? And so everyone that has been born since the sin has a marred image of God. It's, it's, it's not only, not you don't have the perfect image which Adam had of God, right? It's marred. It's stained with sin. It's in the image of Adam. But when you're born again, when you're regenerated, when your heart is resurrected and that vital salvation is applied to you directly, you're renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, right? God, that's God placing his stamp on you once again. And you're being, it, it's, it's, it's transforming you back into his image. And you know, ultimately, that's what glorification is going to be. I believe being transformed back into the image of God, right? You can go read that in Romans chapter 8. So he says, Put on the, the new man, which was renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Isn't it wonderful to isn't it wonderful to know that the thing that can unite the church and the people of God is Christ, whether you're Greek or Jew. And, and, and by the way, he says barbarians and Scythians, these were rude people, right? These were barbarous people, right? Mean people. Probably a lot of us descended from some of these people. But he's saying the gospel had even gone out to those people and changed their lives at this time. And he says it doesn't matter where people come from, what background they have. If they've been touched by the grace of God, that unites us. There's a lot of talk in our society about uniting and, and how diversity and we can live together. I'm going to tell you the only way that diverse groups of people can live together in harmony Is through the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. They're going to try everything they can to to bring harmony to the world outside of the gospel. It will not work. It will fall flat. Verse 12, he says, Put on therefore. Once again, he's saying, sink into these things. Put on therefore as the elect, the chosen of God. I want to notice that for just a moment. Paul is appealing to election to motivate them to do these things. Not only to, to get rid of the things that were hindering them, but when he's going to start talking about here's the things you need to be doing. Here's the way you need to be living. Here are the, uh, the, the things that you need to be filling your life with. He says, put on as the elect or the chosen of God. He's, a, he's appealing to election to motivate them, right? Um, you know, people who believe in grace, grace believers... And that's what we are. We believe in salvation by grace alone with this church, right? 100% from, from, uh, uh, from your salvation from beginning to end is all by the grace of God, period, right? That's period. I love that doctrine. That's why I'm, a, that's why I'm an old Baptist. I'm, I'm not an old Baptist because y'all sing very good. Y'all sing good. <laughs> I'm not an old Baptist because we're going to have good food at 12 o'clock. <laughs> it's good food I'm an old Baptist because I believe that old Baptists are the ones who are sticking to the truth of grace alone for salvation that's why I'm an old Baptist and you know you can read in old primitive Baptist papers about people who will um, they would say they were preaching to people to sit on the stool of do nothing (laughs) if y'all read some old papers you'll, you'll hear that and they've been, uh, uh, people have accused, not just primitive Baptists, but any grace-believing church that preaches the grace of God alone, they will accuse them of preaching a doctrine that, that tends to make people less zealous, right? And not want to do anything. Well, that's just, that's, listen, now there are old Baptists that don't do much, right? <laughs> they some something we ain't seen in years. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Um, And you could get that way too, couldn't you? Um, But the grace of God, the elect, and by the way, election, the electing grace of God is all your hope for salvation, isn't it? It's because of the electing, all, all the benefits of the covenant, whether it be redemption or regeneration or sanctification or glorification, whatever it is, all those benefits flow to you because God foreknew you and chose you, elected you, and predestinated you, right? A group of people that no man can number. <laughs> More than the, the sands of the, the sea or the stars of the sky out of every kindred nation, uh, every race, every blood, every tongue. A, a, a great group of people, but why can those people be saved? It's because it all started with God's choice, Right? And to say that that would, would hinder someone's motivation or hinder someone's zeal. And and maybe it has, but if it has, it's not with the message of grace, it's with the individual, right? If you've ever found yourself in a in a place or in circumstance where you're not zealous, you don't you're not living enthusiastically towards God, you're not living as a sacrifice to God. You're not offering your life to God. We've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. Everybody's been there. We're dealing with that old man, right? And he wins from time to time. If you've ever been there, it's not because the message of grace isn't motivating you. It's because something's wrong with you. Because if you go back to the Bible over and over, whether it's Peter, whether it's Paul, they are motivating people with the doctrine of election. Paul would tell the Thessalonians, I think in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't remember what verse it is. He says, he says, God has chosen you unto salvation <laughs> through sanctification of the spirit. He says, when the, in First Thessalonians 1, when the gospel came to them in power and demonstration of the spirit, he says, brethren, I know your election of God. <laughs> you know, that's interesting, isn't it? When, 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 when Paul saw that they responded to the gospel and they had a zeal for the gospel, He didn't say, that is a witness that you have chosen God, that you've made Him your Savior. He said, that's a witness or evidence that God has chosen you. There's a big difference in those two, isn't there? So, the the preaching of the gospel of grace, the electing grace of God, the sovereign grace of God, the predestinating grace of God, that is the message to motivate God's people. And if you're not motivated by that, it's not... A deficiency in the gospel of grace <laughs> the deficiencies in you right and maybe that old man is creeping up he says therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved he, he continues sanctified set apart that's what holy means for sacred use now these people by nature were just like all of us wicked right by their nature Opposed to God. But he says, because God has chosen you, because of the election of God, you are now holy because you were beloved. (laughs) When Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, the, the voice thundered from heaven that said, this is my beloved Son. I am well pleased with this Son, right? Now remember, your life is hid with Christ in God. When God looks at you, He he doesn't see your faults and your failures. When He looks at you in judgment, you know what He sees? That's my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that amazing? He says you are holy and beloved. And because you are, He says put on therefore. Because you're loved. Because you are chosen. He says that's why you need to start sinking into this kind of lifestyle, right? Because of what God has done for you. Paul's not, Paul is, is not saying do these things to see what God can do for you. <laughs> He's saying do these things because of what God has done for you. <laughs> and, and I believe this is, this is part of that holy and acceptable sacrifice that God wants is to act like this. He says, put on, therefore, bowels of mercy. That that means have a heart of compassion for people, pity for people, kindness. Is there anyone in the house today that wouldn't want people to be a little more kind to them? (laughs) You may struggle with being kind to somebody else, but you want people to be kind to you, don't you? to to look out for for other people's goods for the, for the good of others have goodwill towards other people kind humbleness of mind you know you know what that means that's that is humbleness of mind is Really, to have a, 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 a humble opinion of yourself, right? A sense of your inability and your failings. <laughs> you need see. You need to understand how weak you are to understand how great God's grace is, <laughs> don't you? You know, I think I, I looked it up this morning. <laughs> um, right before we left, the self self-help or um, the uh, self-esteem, that's the word I'm looking for, movement, and it said it was started in 1970. But, you know, there's a lot of psychologists and people that will say, you really need to think about the good things that you have, right? How great you are. (laughs) Build people up. Now, listen, because of the grace of God, we've been given good qualities, right? And we should honor those gifts. And it's not, it's, if you see something good in somebody else, if somebody is being kind or merciful or helping their neighbor or helping their church member, it's okay to point those things out, right? And build each other up. We're supposed to do that, right? But just to say by your very nature, you need to have some self-esteem, that's, that's contrary to the, to the gospel of God, isn't it? That's contrary to the Bible. The Bible's very plain about who we are by nature. And so, he says, you need to have some, some, some humbleness of mind. You need to understand who you are, your littleness, meekness. Um, you know, people will say things like meekness is not weakness, and meekness is power under control. One of the definitions of, of meekness is, is submission to the divine will without murmuring. <laughs> Y'all can go look it up today. Being submitted to God's will for your life without complaining. I bet there's a lot of us that could say, yeah, I'm submitted to God's life, or to God's will for my life. But how many times have we complained about what may come through that, right? I was thinking about that for me. Um, Believe it or not, I grumble about things. I mean, we all do, don't we? God doesn't like that, by the way. But you know, if there's a maybe there's a let's is an easy example. There's a church member not coming to church. That'll make a pastor. I've had pastors grumble to me about church members that aren't coming to church. Um, You know, I was thinking this morning on the ride over here. If I'm really meekness, submitting to the will of God, I wouldn't murmur about those people, I would thank God that he's called me in my life to minister to those people. See, I'm I'm, I'm being honest with y'all today. I don't all have it together. Don't y'all like to be honest? I, I prayed during our prayer about a church family. <laughs> I'm glad to have a family I can be real with. I feel like that here. So be it's, it's meekness. Think about this. Jesus, when he said to come unto me, either uh, laboring or heavy laden, in, in Matthew chapter 11, the end of that, 28 and 29, He says, for I am meek and lowly. Y'all remember that? But yet, in the garden of Gethsemane, you go on a few, maybe Matthew 26, I believe it is. And he's praying that this cup could pass from him. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thou will be done to God the Father. That's what meekness really is, isn't it? Submitting to the will of God for your life. Long-suffering. He says, put on long-suffering. Patience. Don't be so easily angered, right? Forbearing one another. Now, he's, he's talking to the church, right? Now, this was to the church at Colossae, but he's talking through extension to us today. What can we do? How can we be good church members to one another? Forbearing means to put up with each other. Sometimes you may not like something about someone. But you know what, as a, as a church family, we gotta just put up with one another. That's part of the new man. He's long, you know what the old man does? I didn't like what that brother said to me. I didn't like what that sister said to me. I'm gonna tell somebody about it. I'm gonna hold a grudge about it. Let me tell you, you get a church full of people like that, you won't have a church long. He, he says, I want you to forbear with one another and forgiving one another. To, to overlook their offenses, to treat someone as someone who that's, to forgive someone is to is to treat someone who has offended you or done something to you as if they never did it. That's what true forgiveness is. That's hard isn't it? For people that say Christianity is a crutch for weak people have never tried Christianity. It's hard. that's why it's a constant battle and it's something that you have to Put on and let, as he's going to say in a moment, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel or a complaint against any. Now, now, that, now, God has given you, go to Matthew 18, God's given you ways as church members that we can work out our differences of opinion and we can work out our offenses, right? But if we go outside of the bounds of that, we're in trouble. So if, 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 if somebody has a complaint against me, and listen, there's not a pastor in the world that the church member doesn't have some kind of complaint against them. <laughs> That's just part of life, isn't it? I'm not going to meet all your expectations, and you're not going to meet all my expectations. People are, the one thing you can count on is people letting you down. That's the one thing you can count on in life, because we are weak. I'm not saying everybody's going to let you down but from time to time even the people you count on the most will let you down right they won't meet your expectations and I'm going to do that if the Lord blesses me to be here another year or another ten years I'm going to do things that let you down (laughs) I'm going to forget a birthday or I'm going to forget to call you or not be able to visit you or say something that offends you that's going to happen but you know what I want you to do if that happens, you come to me about it. Please just tell me about it. Don't go tell brother so and so or sister so and so about it. Come to me. And we can work it out, can't we? If if anybody has a complaint against any Here's what I'd like you to do first, and here's what I'll do to you. I'll make this and we should make this covenant with each other. If we can forgive it and overlook it without even bringing it up, that's the first thing we ought to do, isn't it? If anybody has a complaint against somebody else, forgive it. Overlook it. Forbear with it. Put up with it. And if you can't, come to them. One on one. And a a great way for you and I to overlook each other's faults and forgive each other. And when we have complaints or quarrels against each other. A great way for us to be able to forgive them even if they don't ask for forgiveness. A great way for you and I to be able to forgive each other is to look to Christ and what he did for us. And that's what Paul says, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. When did Christ forgive you? Was it when you asked him for forgiveness? Was it when you got it right and started doing good? No. Christ forgave you when you were an enemy to him. Think about that. And so Paul is saying, as the church of God, the people of God, families, this is a great thing for, for natural families, you're to forbear and to forgive and to overlook, as Christ did it for you, also do it to each other. <laughs> Paul said in um, Ephesians chapter 4, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse um, 31, I've got this highlighted, underlined in my Bible. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind. There's that word again. One to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Um, I'm running out of time. I saw the other day there's one blockbuster video left in America. <laughs> Y'all remember Blockbuster and movie gallery? <laughs> I grew up in Chelsea. We had Chelsea video. <laughs> um, they had one copy of everything. These fancy people in Vestavia had Blockbusters, had a wall full of it. We had Chelsea video. <laughs> um, and we got a movie gallery later, I think when I was in high school. And I guess if you're 20 or younger, probably you don't even know what those are, do you? <laughs> um, But when you would get the. Somebody the other day said the the good thing for young preachers is they can relate with the youth. Well, I'm about to show y'all I can't do that. (laughs) You'd get a VCR tape, wouldn't you? Y'all remember those? And you'd rent them, and they'd come in, and you'd take it, and you'd put it in your VCR, and you would start the movie. And if you were a mean person, what you would do. See, these, if you had the old man ruling in you, you'd watch the video, you'd eject it, put it back in the box, and send it back to Blockbuster. So the next guy that rented it, he'd start at the end of the movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so on the boxes at Blockbuster, it, it had a saying. Or Maybe it was movie gallery. At these video rental stores, it would say this, be kind, rewind. <laughs> Y'all remember that? <laughs> And you'd have to hit rewind, you'd have to wait about two or three minutes to get the tape back to the beginning. Um, so you can mess somebody up by starting in the middle of the movie, you might ruin the whole thing, couldn't you? <laughs> so be kind and rewind. That's good advice for us when we're mad at each other. we're mad at that person in traffic, or we're mad at our wife, or we're mad at the church member, or we're mad at the pastor, <laughs> we're mad at the deacons, <laughs> the deacons are mad at the pastor. <laughs> You know, a good thing to be, be kind and rewind to the cross of Calvary. <laughs> if you can't look at what Jesus did for you and, and be kinder to people, then I have nothing for you. You know, it. If I, can't, if I can't rewind into my mind 2,000 years ago to a suffering Savior on a cross, then I'm not going to be kind to each other. I'm not going to be kind to you. There's no self help. There's no psychology. There's no 12 step program I can give you to make you kinder to one another. But this look back to what Jesus did for you. That'd help us all, wouldn't it? The next time you feel that anger, that malice, that ill will towards other people coming up in you, then then do do what they said be kind and rewind back to your savior i'm not going to get as far as i wanted to this morning but maybe we'll pick it back up in a few weeks let, here's the thing we just need to try don't we? <laughs> we we didn't get to some of these but here paul's saying you got to put in the effort to get to get to battle those things and not only just to put those things off but then you got to put on and you got to let things happen in your life these things don't if you, meet a, if you meet a Christian man or a Christian woman who forbears other people and forgives other people and is kind to other people and speaks good about other people, that didn't happen, That person didn't happen by accident. They put the effort into being that kind of person. We've got to put effort into being the kind of person that we want to be. He says, even as Christ has forgiven you, let's 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 go on just a moment here and and above all these things put on charity love in action which is the bond of perfect of perfectness maturity completeness if if we want as a church to be bound together right then we got to love each other love in action and let let that word means allow you know, some people, some people act as if, if God's people are robots, right? That God's, when you're born again, you're just going to become real holy and, and these things will come easy to you, right? And You'll live righteously. No, the Bible is contrary to that. Paul's constantly saying, you better do this or allow this or put in the effort to do this. So he's saying allow, listen to what he says to allow. Maybe some of us aren't doing that. Allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. That, that word rule means to govern or to be an umpire, a referee. Now, we all got a quarrel against referees, don't we? <laughs> Depending on which team you choose, you pull for. It's either a good call or a bad call, usually based on which team you pull for, isn't it? <laughs> But what he's saying here is the peace of God, that that drama-free life, the tranquility that comes with having peace and resting in God, he says, let that be the umpire or the referee in your life. Let that call the balls and strikes in your life. When when you're facing a situation or you're getting yourself into something, you need to ask yourself, let the umpire, the governor of the game, say, is this going to hinder the peace ruling in my heart, or is this going to add to the peace ruling in my heart? That's what you got to ask. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. We are called as the church at Vestavia to, as one body. And he says, and be ye thankful. That's another thing that would help us to be better Living sacrifices to God is to be mindful of the favors that God has given unto us, isn't it? In a few weeks, I believe it's November 19th, we're going to have our Thanksgiving service here on a Saturday night. I love that service because it re-centers me to be thankful. You know, usually, usually, and it may not be this year, but usually the theme of Thanksgiving or thankfulness comes up at some time during that weekend. And as people who are given to, to greed and, and covetousness and idolatry in a, in a, in a society that, 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 that fans the flames of those things, it's good to recenter yourself and be thankful for what God's already given you, isn't it? And that's what Paul says, be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. <laughs> Let the word of Christ inhabit your thoughts and dwell in you. Teaching and admonishing instructing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do. Now listen, this is the call on us as Christians. Whatsoever you do in word, whether you say it or in deed, whether it's an action you take, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. See, the way we worship God, the way we sing our the way we praise God the Father for what He's done to us is by glorifying the Son who He sent for us. Y'all understand that right? Um, Once again in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, Now, this is this is chapter three and verse twenty. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church. Where's God going to get glory? In some establishment of men? No. He says in the church. How is God going to get glory? By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. When, When Paul was saying that you should be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, you know what kind of sacrifice is holy and acceptable to God? Honoring his son magnifying his son, praising his son. And he says, he reminds this church, whatever you do, if you're at work, if you're at the ballpark, if you're at school, if you're saying something, if you're doing something, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He reminds them that you're carrying a name around with you. You're not just reflecting on Josh Coker. You're not just reflecting on vestavia church what you do and what you say reflects on what you think about the lord jesus christ and what others think about the lord jesus christ and so paul says act in such a way whatever it is you do whatever it is so y'all can think about that whatever it is do it in such a way that it honors your lord let's pray heavenly father thank you for this day thank you for the blessings of this church this life bind us all together lord in charity help us to forgive one another help us to look back to the cross as as the reason we should forgive others we know that as christ as christ was 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 paying for our sins he said father forgive them for they know not what they do those that were turned the son of god over to the authorities, to be crucified, those that were crucifying him. He says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let us have that kind of forgiveness. Let us be radically different than others who hold grudges and argue and bicker. Let us be the kind of people that say, Father, forgive them, because you forgave me through Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll sing a hymn at this time. And come forward to unite with this church if you have that desire. Brother Joshua, do you have a song we can sing? We'll sing number 39.